Amen. When God's in it, he blesses it and it grows. Amen. We want to be part of that. We're talking about, Marty mentioned, you can do just one thing, amen, for life. Find what that is and do that. We're in a series of messages called Just One Thing, amen? And we talked about in this month focusing our hearts in on just the one thing that we, want, we need to hear from the Lord. Making Jesus our priority and our focus in this first month of the year. The old saying was, whatever you're doing at the beginning of the year, you'll be doing all year, right? And so we want to start the year right by focusing in on the Lord Jesus. Our theme verse for this entire series is Psalm 27, verse 4. And I want you to read that together with me today. Psalm 27, verse 4, if we can get that up. Uh, it's the, simply the theme of the entire series. Read it together with me, will you? One thing I have desired of the Lord, that will I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. Amen. Last week we talked about fixing our eyes on Jesus, getting our focus right. Today I want to talk about tuning our ears. Say that with me. Tuning our ears. Giving ear to the voice of God. And I believe that the primary way God speaks to us is through his word. I don't believe it is the only way God speaks to us. The Bible says God speaks to us in nature. Psalm 8 says the heavens are declaring the glory of God and the firmament shows his power. Amen? Romans chapter 1 says that creation declares the truth about God. So God speaks through nature. Say nature. God also speaks through conscience. Romans chapter 2 tells us that even those who didn't have the Ten Commandments know in their heart that some things are right and some things are wrong. And even if you never heard one, word, one verse out of the Bible, you can stand before God and God can hold you accountable for what you knew was right and wrong because God has written His Word in your conscience. Amen. And so God speaks to us in our conscience. And whenever we feel that little man on the inside nudging us that we shouldn't do that or say that or go there, we should listen because the voice of God speaks in the conscience of his people. Amen. Amen. God speaks in, his, in creation. God speaks through conscience. God speaks through gifts. Say gifts. The Bible tells us that God gave spiritual gifts to his church, and some of those gifts are speaking gifts. The Bible said to some he gave the ability to speak in tongues, to others the ability to interpret a message in tongues, to others the ability to prophesy. The Bible said he gives the word of knowledge. He gives the word of wisdom. God speaks through prophetic gifts in the life of the church. Amen? That happens to us. On this past Sunday night as we gathered in worship, someone gave a message in tongues. Someone else interpreted that message in tongues and the body was edified and blessed because the will of God for that service was able to be communicated by the Spirit of God among the people of God. Amen. Well, pastor, I don't believe that. Well, then you have a problem with the most important way God speaks. God speaks in his word. Say his word. And his word tells us that he speaks in all these other ways. Amen. So people say, I just believe the Bible. I just believe God speaks through the Bible. Well, the Bible says God speaks in several ways. So if you believe the Bible, you believe all the rest of this. You're welcome. That was free. Amen. The reason I believe in spiritual gifts is not just because I've experienced them, because the Bible talks about them. Amen. 
Amen. First and foremost, what does the book say? I want us to learn today, talk about focusing in and tuning our ear to the Word of God. And I'm primarily talking today about the written Word of God. The Bible, the B-I-B-L-E that you sang about in VBS many years ago. Amen. Hear the Word of the Lord. 2 Timothy 3 is our text today. Verse 14, he tells Timothy, you must continue in the things that you've learned and been assured of, knowing from whom you learned them and that from childhood you have known the Holy Scriptures. Say that with me. The Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. If you've been around church five minutes, you know how important important the Bible is to us. We emphasize it. We read from it. We urge and encourage you to read from it in between Sundays, to read it, to memorize it, to meditate on it, to study it, to pray alongside it. Amen. I take my Bible into my prayer time with me. Amen. God's Word will teach you how to pray. It'll give you promises to stand on in prayer. It'll guide you into what to pray when you don't know how to pray. Amen. Many people say, well, Pastor, I've not had that kind of encounter with the Bible. It's, I'm, it's a struggle for me to get into God's Word. And maybe you say, I've tried to interact with the Bible, but I haven't had a lot of success. I'm reminded of the story of Gypsy Smith. A man came and told him, he said, I have rent, I've gone through it several times and received no inspiration from the Bible. And Gypsy Smith said, let it go through you once and you'll tell a different story. Amen? It's not how many times we go through the Bible. It's whether or not we let the Bible go through us or not. Amen. Uh, you see, the Word of God is alive. It's living and powerful. And when we interact with the Word of God, we don't come as the teacher. We always come as the student. We sit before God's Word seeking to be taught, wanting to learn. And the goal of interacting with the Bible is not information. It's transformation. <laughs> Amen. I don't read the book just to learn and fill my mind. I read the book to change my heart. Because I know that there are some things not right in my life. And I find myself unable to change them no matter how hard I try. But God's Word has power, transforming power. And if you'll get God's Word in your life, the Word will do a work in your life. Amen. The Word works. Amen. That's the goal. Well, how? Why is the Bible so important, Pastor? Let me give you some reasons why we are so bullish on the Bible, why we're so sold on the Scripture today. Number one, it is God's record of revelation. It's the record of God's revelation. God has revealed himself to us, and that revelation is recorded in the Bible. I'm thankful for that today. We live in a world that is drowning in a sea of relativism. People constantly say, well, that may be true for you, but it isn't true for me. And we talk about my truth and your truth. Well, that's your truth. That's not my truth. And it's interesting to me that the only place we believe that is in the arena of morality. Amen. How about today when you get pulled over by the state trooper, you tell him that 65 miles an hour speed limit is his truth, but it's not your truth. Let me know how that works out for you. Yeah. When the police arrest you for breaking in somebody's house and you tell them, well, I know the deed says it's this there's house, but that's their truth. And my truth is this stuff belongs to me. 
Yeah, let me know what the judge says, amen? Uh, don't call for a pastoral visit to Metro today. I won't be down there to see you for that. No, when it comes to morality, like every other area of life, there is true truth. There is objective reality. There is real truth that we can trust and know, and it's given to us in the Word of God. The intellectual of our elite today said there is no such thing. The good news is we are not adrift. We are not cut loose with no anchor. We are not groping in the darkness with no clue what is real and what is not. God has broken into our world from the outside and revealed the truth to us. God has shined the light into the darkness. We just came out out of the season of Advent and Christmas and we read the verse a hundred times the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light Jesus is that light and God has shined the light of his word the word made flesh into the darkness we sang it a moment ago the word has a name and it's Jesus Jesus is the revelation of God if you want to know what God's like he's like Jesus and any idea you have about God that doesn't square with Jesus is a wrong idea about God. God has revealed himself. Amen. He's broken into the world. He has shown the light into the darkness of our world. He has told us who he is. He's told us who we are. He's told us what our purpose is. He has told, he's told us what went wrong in the world and why it is in the shape it's in. God has told us what he's doing to get it back on the right track again and ultimately bring us to a good end not a bad one and the and the God that has done that has given us a reliable trustworthy record of that revelation and you hold it in your lap today this is the record of God's revelation to us God has revealed himself to us and holy men of God wrote it down in 66 books and we have that revelation in our lap amen God's Word today the Bible and it can be trusted the Bible says later in this, same, in this same book that we're reading today, same chapter, Paul says all scripture is given by the inspiration of God. Say that, the inspiration of God. Amen. Now what does that mean? Well, when we think of being inspired, we often think of that on the human level. We hear a piece of music by Mozart or Beethoven and we say, oh, he was inspired when he wrote that. Or we read a poem or we hear the lyrics to a song or we look at a painting and say, oh, how inspiring that is. We watch a Hallmark movie at Christmas and we get inspired, right? No, no, no. Some of us, we go and some ladies go to Target and get inspired, amen? Yeah, you walk through and your husband's credit card and you get inspired. You see all this good stuff? Yeah. That's not the inspiration I'm talking about. And all those who pay the credit card bill said amen. Amen. The word inspired is a Greek word, and it has a very specific meaning. Uh, the word inspired is theonoustos. Theo means God, theos, like theology. Noustos is pneuma or breath or spirit, and literally it means God breathed. Say that with me. God breathed. God breathed breathed by his spirit into holy men of God who wrote down his word. That's what it means. Literally, when we have the word of God, when you have the Bible in your lap, the very words are inspired by God. God breathed his spirit into men who recorded what he wanted them to write. Now, God didn't take over their minds in some robotic way. They didn't automatic write. No. God filled them with his spirit and communicated to them what they were to write down. 
And they write in their own personality and they write with their own voice. And John doesn't sound like Paul and Paul doesn't sound like Luke. And there's all different genres and types of literature in the Bible. Yes, you do see the imprint of the individual writers on each book. God used humans to write the book. You should expect that. But behind that, God breathed and filled those men so that what they wrote was the very mind, will, and word of God. God has revealed himself to us. That's what Peter says. Holy men of God, as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit, wrote these words of prophecy. Amen. And so we believe in the Bible, in the church of God. Our first tenet of faith is we believe in the verbal inspiration of the Bible. Verbal means we don't just believe the thoughts are inspired. We believe the very words are inspired. The Holy Spirit led the writers to write exactly what he wanted them to write. And God guarded that word from error down through the years. People say, oh, you can't trust the Bible. They found other books since the Bible was put together. They didn't find other books that they didn't know about. Let me explain that to you. Go to the library and you find these lost books of the Bible. You watch something on Netflix about lost books of the Bible. Those books were not lost. If you were to go to my house today, there's a big old pink can on the side of my house. Every Monday and Thursday, they come and collect the contents of that can in a big truck. The items in that box are not lost. <laughs> they are discarded and there is a difference. <laughs> the books that didn't make it into the Bible didn't make it into the Bible for a reason. <laughs> the early church knew about them, read them, and discarded them because they didn't pass the test to be trustworthy enough to be included. In order for a book to be in the New Testament, it had to be written by an apostle or his immediate descendant. In order for that book to be included, it had to have been written before 100 A.D. It had to be a very early book. Before that book was included in your Bible, it had to be orthodox in teaching. It could not contradict anything that the church had always believed since the beginning. And number four, that book had to be universally accepted. All the church Churches had to be able to say, yes, we use that book as well. We have that book. We preach from that book. We read that book. That book is the Word of God. If the book didn't pass those four tests, it was not included in the New Testament. Amen. So there are no lost books. There are some discarded books. Amen. But the church has from the beginning agreed about what books should be included in the New Testament. There was a council of Jews that met at Jamnia that settled the Old Testament books in a very similar way. I want to tell you the Bible you have today includes everything God needs for it to include, everything he wanted it to include, and it is a reliable, accurate record. People say, yeah, but there's a lot of years between then and now. How do we know it's accurate? The more manuscripts of the Bible we discover and the longer we dig, archaeologists discover more and more and more copies of the books of the Bible. And the more we discover, the more we find out not how wrong we are, but how right we are. The Bible is amazingly accurate. The Bible you hold in your lap is amazingly accurate. The disagreements are spelling changes and changing the name of a place to update the city name when they change the name of the town. Minor disagreements like that. No major doctrine of the Bible is affected by any difference in translation from the copies that you find of God's Word. You can trust the Bible. Amen. You can trust the Word of God. God has given us an accurate record of His revelation. Amen. So it is God's record of revelation. Number two, it's an instrument of navigation. Say that with me. 
an instrument of navigation. The Bible says God's Word is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. God's Word will guide us through the darkness of this world. It's a pathway of principles, number one. Psalm 19 tells us the law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold yea than much fine gold sweeter also than honey in the honeycomb moreover by keeping them your servant is warned and in keeping them there is great reward amen there are great principles in God's word that will lead and guide you through life it's a walkway of wisdom even when God doesn't specifically tell you what to do his word will train your heart and mind in wise ways of living so that you don't make a misstep in life Wisdom. If we will seek the wisdom of God, God will give it to us. Proverbs 4, hear my son, receive my sayings, and the years of your life will be many. I've taught you the way of wisdom. I've led you in right paths. When you walk, your steps will not be hindered. When you run, you will not stumble. Take firm hold of instruction. Do not let it go. Keep her, for she is your life. I can't tell you how many times I've come to a fork in the road and I didn't know exactly what to do, but God's Word would have guided me to know what I shouldn't do and what I should stay away from. And sometimes just avoiding the wrong thing is enough to figure out what the right thing is. Amen. Wisdom will guard and protect your life. God's Word will do that for you. Number three, God's Word is a mirror for examination. Say it's a mirror. We encounter ourselves in the Word of God. The reason people don't want to read the Bible is not because the Bible is hard to understand, but because the Bible is hard to deal with. The Bible shows us ourselves. Amen? Someone said to Mark Twain one time, they said, you know, I, 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 don't ha I don't really understand the Bible. I have a problem with the Bible because there's parts I don't understand. And Mark Twain said, really? It's not the parts I don't understand that give me trouble. It's the parts I do. <laughs> I'll never forget when a sweet little African-American school teacher of mine named Peggy Lark, she was the Church of God in Christ lady, sweet holiness, Pentecostal woman. I loved her. She'd shout at the drop of the hat, and she'd drop the hat. Amen? I loved her. She let our, took care of the library at our school. One day, the Mormons came knocking on her door, and they had the Book of Mormon, and it said, Another Testament of Jesus Christ. Well, Ms. Lark didn't know a lot about the Mormons, and she didn't know about the book, but she saw that Another Testament of Jesus Christ, and she took it, and she handed it back to him. She said, Oh, sweetheart, please take this book. I don't need this book. Don't ever bring this book back. She said, I got the first edition right here, and I still can't do everything this book is telling me to do. When I can do everything in this book, book I'll call you for part two <laughs> I don't need another testament I got all I can handle right here yes that's right amen it is a mirror and God's word will show us the truth about ourselves a certain missionary society was trying to help a missionary gain admittance into a tribe that was very closed to outsiders coming in one of the ways they did this was 
They sent lots of trinkets and gifts to give these people so that they would build a relationship. The most popular trinket was a little mirror, a pocket mirror. Many of these women in this tribe had never seen their own reflection except in the lake or in the river, and they had never seen a mirror before. That became a very coveted gift, and so they would send mirrors down. Well, one day, uh, the natives who'd seen their faces reported the news of this uh, to the, the, the chief's wife. She was the princess, she was the queen of the tribe, and she wanted to know what she looked like. She'd heard about this. She had been told all her life, mainly by her daddy, and no one was allowed to disagree with him, that she was the most beautiful woman in the tribe. So she wanted to see for herself and behold her beauty. So the missionary brought her the looking glass, and she looked in, and she saw the image staring back at her and realized that she had been lied to her entire life. And she smashed the looking glass and handed it back to the missionary and said, don't ever bring one of these back into our village again. Now, why did she smash the mirror? Because it told the truth, the uncomfortable truth, the ugly truth. <laughs> and we don't like the Bible sometimes because it tells the ugly truth. Amen. It shows us our own heart. And so whenever I can, listen, I can always tell when somebody's drifting away from God and they're backsliding because you can blow the dust off their Bible. We don't want to be around this book because it makes us uncomfortable when we're not living like we ought to live. James 1 says, be doers of the word, not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. If anyone hears the word but doesn't do it, he's like a man who observes his natural face in a mirror and then goes away and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. None of us are able to look in the mirror without doing something, right? I mean, we look in the mirror, we adjust our posture, or we, we fix our collar, or, or we do something with our hair. We always see something that needs to be improved upon, right? Even if it's just flash a smile and find that speck in your teeth and get it out, right? We always adjust something. It ought to be that way when we open God's Word. We don't open God's Word to find fault with someone else. We open God's Word to see ourselves clearly and make the adjustments we need to make. Amen? When John Wesley would lay down at night, he would ask himself a series of questions from God's Word. I won't read them all. There were 21. If I asked these 21 questions every night, I don't think I'd ever get to sleep. But he would ask questions like this. Am I consciously or unconsciously creating the impression that I'm better than I really am? In other words, am I a hypocrite? Do I confidentially pass on to others what has been said to me in confidence? Can I be trusted? Am I a slave to dress, to friends, to work, to habits? Am I self-conscious, self-pitying, self-justifying? Did the Bible live in me today? Isn't that a great question? Am I enjoying prayer? Not just doing it, but am I enjoying prayer? That's a high standard. When did I last speak to someone else about my faith? Did I insist upon something about which my conscience is uneasy today? Am I jealous, critical, irritable, touchy, distrustful? How about you ask your spouse that one? Tell me, am I? Amen. Am I proud? How do I spend my spare time? Do I grumble or complain constantly? Is there anyone I fear, dislike, disown, criticize, hold resentment toward, or disregard? And if so, what am I going to do about it? Wow. What is he doing? He's letting the book go through him. 
He's letting God's Word show him his face in the mirror, and he's willing to take action on that. God's Word will do that for you. It is a mirror for examination. Say, a mirror. Hudson Pope once said, Let the book live to me, O Lord. Show me yourself and show me my sin and show me my Savior and let the book live to me. Number four, it is a weapon against temptation. Say a weapon. God's Word will help you not only see your sin, God's Word will help you avoid sin to begin with. It'll keep you out of sin if you'll let it. In fact, a friend of mine used to write in the front of every Bible that he gave, either sin will keep you from reading this book or reading this book will keep you from sin. Amen. And that's the truth. Jesus, when he faced temptation, said it is written in God's Word. And he quoted God's Word. Psalm 119, how can a young man keep his way clean? By giving heed according to your Word. God's Word shows us, number one, what he has prohibited. God's given us boundary lines. He also shows us what he has provided. Amen? God provides you something in every temptation. In Corinthians, Paul says, No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to man. And God is faithful and will not let you be tempted above what you can bear. But with every temptation, will make a way of escape so that you may be able to bear up under it. In every temptation, God provides two things. He puts a limit and he places an exit. Do you see it? Number one, he puts a limit. Say a limit. You say, oh, the temptation was just too great. You a lie? God said he won't let you be tempted above what you can bear. You didn't fall into sin. You took a teaspoon, dug a swimming pool, filled it up, and dove in. Yeah, quiet in the hole in this church. God won't let you be tempted above what you can bear. If you ended up in sin, it's because you missed number two. God places an exit. Say an exit. You know, whenever you drive down, you see Mobile, next five exits. And I want to tell you something. If you don't want to miss Mobile, then you, if, if, you, if you need to get off, you've got five opportunities to get off. And if you miss number 5B, if you go on past Moffett Road and you've missed Spring Hill and Airport and Dolphin and Government and all the rest, I want to tell you something. You've missed Mobile, and it's your fault because you had five chances to get there. Amen. If you get on a little past north there, let me tell you what else. You're going to hit the Dolly Parton Bridge, and it's going to be a minute before you get to turn around. <laughs> but there are plenty exits between here and there. So if you go across it, I don't feel sorry for you. It's your fault you got there. Whenever we end up in sin, God places an exit. And if we end up in sin, it's because we missed the exit. We did not take the opportunity to get out of there before we got in trouble. Amen? Amen. Number five, it is a means of edification. Say edification. An edifice is a building. It just means to build up. God's Word will build you up if you'll let it. The Bible tells us in Mark 4, our salvation came by the Word. The sower sows the seed. Romans 10, 17 says faith comes by hearing the Word. 1 Peter 2 says we grow by taking the Word in, like milk for babies. John 8 says we're set free by the Word. You'll know the truth, and the truth will make you free. Until you spend time in God's Word, you won't ever get free or stay free very long. If you, the Bible says in John 17, we're sanctified by the Word. If there's some unclean place in your life, get in God's Word. He'll make you so uncomfortable that you have to let go of it. Amen. And He'll give you the strength and power to do so. It is our means of edification. Amen. Number six, it's our defense against deception. We live in a world where many people want to teach us things that are not true. The entire book of 2 Timothy is Paul 
warning a young pastor to steer clear of false teaching. How is he going to know what is true and false? Well, he told him in the verses we read, Since you were a child, you have been taught the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise unto salvation. God's Word will keep you from being led astray. You don't need to go read about all the cults. You don't need to research all the false teachers. You don't need to go and find all that out. Listen, don't waste your time doing that. Someone asked an FBI agent one time, how long does it take you to train someone to spot counterfeit money? How much counterfeit money do you have to study in order to be able to identify it? And the FBI agent said, we don't ever show our agents counterfeit money. We allow our agents to study real money. And when you spend enough time looking at, holding, playing with real money, the moment the counterfeit crosses your hands, you're immediately able to recognize the difference. We don't need to research all the things that are wrong. We just need to bury our heart in what is right. God's Word will not lead you astray. God's Word will teach you what is true and what is right. Amen? Chapter 2, he tells us, be diligent to show yourself approved by studying the Word of God. In chapter 3, he says, continue in the things that you've learned and been taught by me. In chapter 4, he says, there'll be a time when men won't endure sound doctrine, but they'll run off after teachers who say exactly what they want to hear. All through the book of 2 Timothy, Paul says, watch out for this. We believe in the whole Bible rightly divided. Isaiah 8 and 20 says, To the law and to the testimony. If they do not speak according to this word, it is because there is no light in them. But pastor, you said you believe in spiritual gifts. You believe that God can speak a word through someone else to you. Yes, I do. And I've experienced that, and I've done that at times, and I've been blessed by that at times. But I want to tell you, you don't just receive everything that somebody walks up and says to you. Whenever somebody gives you a word, it ought to resonate with what you've already felt and known in your own heart that God is dealing with you about. Their words should just confirm what you've already felt and known. God has been speaking to you, and he'll confirm that through somebody else. Recently, a young man in our church came and said, I believe God has called me to the ministry. And I smiled and said, it's about time. Amen. I said, I told someone six months ago, you'd be the next one who came to me and expressed a call to ministry. He said, you didn't say anything to me about it. I said, I would have messed you up if I'd said anything about it. I'm not the first person who needs to say that to you. The Holy Spirit needs to say that to you. And I just get to come alongside and say, yes, what you're hearing is right. That's my job. Whenever somebody gives you a word, it shouldn't be new news. <laughs> it should confirm what the Spirit of God has already said to you. If somebody has to say something to you that you haven't heard before, it usually means you're so hard-headed or far away from God that this is a last resort, and he's having to send somebody to get your attention. And that ought to make you afraid. Yes. How do you know if it's a word from God? That's easy. Does it violate anything in his written word? God will never say anything by the Spirit that contradicts what he's already said in this word. God doesn't contradict himself. God doesn't speak out of both sides of his mouth. If somebody gives you a word and it doesn't line up with this book, dismiss it. You don't just receive it. The Bible says try the spirits to see if they be from God. Amen. And so we do that. Finally, it is the message of salvation. Say salvation. The Bible says in Ephesians 1, after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, you believed and were sealed by the Holy Spirit. You and I were saved because we believed the word of God. 
the message of Jesus and his love. If you're here today and you want to know how to be saved, believe the gospel. Repent and believe the gospel. That's what Jesus said. That's what John said. That's what Peter said. Repent and believe the gospel. What does repent mean? Turn away from your sin. Turn your back on the way you've lived for yourself and done whatever you wanted, ignoring God and his word and his will for your life. Turn away from that. Ask God to forgive you of that. Confess it. Be honest about it. Come clean before God. He already knows you may as well. But then believe the gospel. Don't just turn away from the sin. Turn to the cross. Come and kneel at the feet of Jesus and say, I believe with all my heart you loved me enough to bleed and die for me. And I believe that you died in my stead and your death paid the penalty for my sin. And I claim your blood to be the covering for me. Lord, save me. Lord, forgive me. Lord, wash away my past. Lord, break my chains. Lord, change my heart. Lord, I surrender my life to you. And I'll walk with you if you'll save me and show me how. And God will save you if you'll repent and believe the message of salvation today. Amen. That's his word. I love it. John Wesley said, I'm a creature of a day passing through life as if by an arrow through the air. I'm a spirit come from God and returning to God, just hovering over the gulf until a few moments hence I am seen no more. I will drop into an unchangeable eternity. I want to know one thing, the way to heaven, how to land safe on that happy shore. God himself has condescended to teach me the way. For this very reason, he came down from heaven. He has written it down in a book. Oh, give me that book at any price. Give me the book of God. I have it. Here it is. Here is knowledge enough for me. God has given you his word. Amen. You can know how to be saved. In the front of my Bible that I preach from every week is an old hymn. One of the verses says this. This is the judge that ends the strife where wit and reason fail. My God do everlasting life throughout the gloomy veil. I love it. God's word will guide you. It'll order your steps. It'll lead you in life. Stand with me all over God's house. Chad, come help me. An unknown writer said, this book is the mind of God, the state of man, the way of salvation, the doom of sinners, the happiness of believers. Its doctrines are holy. Its precepts are binding, its histories are true, and its decisions are unchangeable. Read it to be wise. Believe it to be safe. Practice it to be holy. It contains a light to direct you, food to support you, comfort to cheer you. It is the traveler's map. It's the pilgrim's staff pilot's compass, the soldier's sword, and the Christian's character. Here paradise is restored, heaven opened, the gates of hell disclosed. Christ is its grand subject, our good is its design, and the glory of God is its end. It should fill the memory, rule the heart, and guide the feet. Read it slowly, frequently, prayerfully. It is a mine of wealth, a paradise of glory, a river of pleasure. Follow its precepts and it will lead you to Calvary, to the empty tomb, to a resurrected life in Christ. Yes, to glory itself for all eternity. I am thankful for the Word of God. Amen. Thankful for the Word of God. So today, if you're here and you've never trusted Christ... Don't wait, don't delay, repent, and believe the gospel. Trust Jesus as your Savior today.
I'd love to show you how to do that. One of us would love to pray with you to do that. It's not hard. And then come and let us teach you how to walk a new way. Amen. One of the most important ways here at Forest Hill that we interact with God's Word is in a ministry called Growth Groups. And this morning, I'm going to give a very different kind of invitation. I want to invite our growth group leaders and host families, if they'll go ahead and head to the gym, let y'all go ahead and slip out. Y'all go ahead and find your table back there. And this morning, my hope is that we will respond to this invitation, not by walking out that way, <laughs> but by walking back this way into the gym through the double doors on each side of the front of the sanctuary. We take God's Word seriously by meeting together a couple times every month in houses all over the Mobile County area. We have a group that meets in Saraland. We have a group that we have a bunch of groups that meet out in the Sims area. We have lots, we have lots of groups that meet um, in Westmobile. We have groups that meet around everywhere. In fact, uh, there is a map to help you back there on every table. You can find a group that's probably within 10 minutes or less of, the of your house, and you can find a group to go and to be part of. I want to urge you to join these groups today. Sign-ups are going to be open beginning today. You can sign up to be part of a group. The first night they'll meet will be Super Bowl Sunday night, first Sunday night of February. They'll get together and you'll fellowship together. Then, on the second Sunday night, you will have an opportunity to begin your studies together. And every other week after that, they'll rotate through the year, uh, through the semester. They'll end the last Sunday of May. We'll take a break for summer. We'll give you an opportunity to meet together in groups. Listen, the time and, of any, and location of each one offers is not only is, are the times and places different. Listen, this year we're doing something different. We've always done the same study. This year, every house offers a different Bible study. So not only do you pick by location, you can pick by the topic or the study that would benefit you the most right now. Let me give you an example. Maybe you say, Pastor, I just need a good overview of the Bible. I'm new to the Bible and I just want to learn more about the Bible. Or maybe you love God's Word and you've been a Christian for a long time and you say, I wish I knew how to dig more deeply into the contents of God's Word. Well, we've got a study called The Good Book. Just called The Good Book, and it's by Kyle Eidelman. He's the one who led the study on 1 Peter we did last semester. He's a great leader. And that, that's one of the studies that we're doing. That study meets at Mike and Sarah Coley's house. Maybe you want to go deeper into God's Word by studying a specific book. We've got a study on the book of Philippians at our house. Alicia and Aaron Miller are leading that on the Philippians. It's a Matt Chandler study called To Live is Christ and to Die is Gain. There's a great study through 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John, the epistles of John. It's a Tony Evans study, and it's going to be at Jake and Tony Harvell's house. Jake and Tony have agreed to lead. All of our staff said, that, that's going to be a fun group. I want to be in that group, right? Uh, amen. So go sign up for Jake and Tony's group. They're the group in the Saraland area this semester. You can go and join there. That would be close to you. It's going to be a great study. Maybe you're here and say, Pastor, there's some specific issues in life I just need some help with. We've got you covered. We've got you covered. Maybe you say, I just need help recovering from some damage in relationship. There's a great study called Love Like You've Never Been Hurt. It's a book by Jensen Franklin. Chad and Gina Price are leading a study on that book. There's a book uh, called, Your, there's a study called Your Move. You ever been in a place where you had to make a quick decision? You didn't know what to do? You needed God's wisdom to know how to make difficult decisions you never thought you'd have to face? Your Move is a study on how to make wise biblical decisions. It's going to be offered at the Everett's house 
great study. Uh, John Vella and Heather Vella are leading a study called Guardrails. It's a great study. It's one of my favorites that we're offering this time. Setting healthy boundaries in relationships, marriage, friendship, finances, all kind of areas. How do you live within the boundaries so that you don't go over the edge and get hurt and get into danger? guardrail study. There's a study, maybe you're here and say, Pastor, I just need my, my relationship with God needs its passion to be restored. I feel like I've cooled off in my walk with Christ, and I need something that will just jumpstart my passionate walk with God in the new year. Francis Chen has a study called Crazy Love that will do just that. It's being offered at the home of Karen and Larry Stewart. You don't have to be a single to sign up for their group. Anyone can sign up for the group. It's a great study. Go and join them. There'll be some singles there, but if you're married, they won't bother you, I promise. Larry and Karen will make a mind. Amen. There's another study, Paul and Donna Roberts are leading a Chip Ingram study called Good to Great. You tired of settling for a mediocre or average Christian life? Are you ready to be all that God knows you can be and calls you to be? Go from good to great. It's a great study. Maybe you're struggling in your finances. Tony and Melissa Thomas are leading a Dave Ramsey study on how to get your financial house in order and get your money on track. You need to be knowing where your money be going. Amen? <laughs> We're going to help you do that. It's a great study on this. Amen. Maybe you're here and say, Pastor, I just, I've got some big questions. I'm facing some tough things in life. We've got a Bible study, a Max Lucado study on life, illness, death, eternity, the tough questions, the big issues that we face in life. That's going to be led by some of our new leaders as well. Woody and Doris Morrison have agreed to lead that group. It will meet at uh, Jack and Sandra's house. And very excited about that. Woody and Doris will do a great job. Uh, they'll be joining the church next Sunday. Amen. So if you don't think we'll put you to work around here, you better believe we will. Amen. Amen. Lord, help us. Listen, two more and I'm done. We're offering two very special ministries this time that we didn't offer last time. One is this. Mitch Price is leading the sports ministry. Instead of meeting to eat and have a Bible study like most of us like to do, some of the guys are going to meet and they're going to play ball or have fun in the gym for about an hour and meet together. And then they're going to come together around a table and they're going to do their Bible study. It's a Tim Tebow study called Shaken. How do you roll with the punches when life knocks the wind out of you? How do you, how do you handle those moments when you just feel like the difficulties of life seem almost overwhelming? How do you get your feet under you and stand in those times? Mitch is going to be leading a great study on that topic, along with a group of men who love to get together uh, and have a lot of fun uh, around a basketball goal. Come and join for that. It's open. You can come and do that. That's going to be the sports ministry study. Another thing we're doing different this time is we have a student ministry group. Tara and Tristan Hartley are going to lead a group for our youth. It's going to meet at their home over in Westmobile. You can throw a rock from their house and hit Chad's house. Not that he throws rocks at Chad's house. Uh, but it's that close, okay? Our teenagers, junior high and high school, are invited to be part of that group. Amen? If you want your kids to be in that group, I would recommend you join a Westmobile group. Because you could drop them off, go to your group, come back and get them. And it wouldn't be far to drive. Chad's is the closest. John's is close. The group at my house is close. The group at Jack and Sandra's is close. Larry and Karen's are close. There are five adult groups in Westmobile. You can get close enough to drop your kids and still be part of a great study yourself. Amen? If you have a student, you may want to pick that one. The map will help you to figure that out. When I pray this closing prayer, I want to invite you to go that away into the gym and sign up there. 
There's two ways you can sign up. One, you can take your phone. Shh, you could do it right now, actually. The groups are open. Sonia. They're open. Take your phone right now. You could take your phone right now and go to the forestillcog.org website. And if you'll click on growth groups, every one of those groups right there are listed. You can click on that group and hit add member and you can sign up and you can join that growth group. Maybe you're here and you don't, you aren't tech savvy. Maybe your phone still flips open. That's okay. We've got you covered. If you will go to the gym right now, there's a group of people back there with iPads and MacBooks and their cell phones. And if you'll just go find the table of the study you want, they will sign you up and they will get you in the group. Okay? Why does this matter? Listen, there are some things that we can't tackle alone. You don't go to the gym unless you have a gym buddy, right? You don't lose weight unless you have somebody to hold you accountable and keep you on track. Some things in life we don't ever change until we get honest with a group of fellow Christians about where we are and they challenge us to take the journey with them to a different place. We are better together. Say that with me. We are better together. So let's do life together this semester. Sign up for a growth group. You need people in this group, and the people in this group need you. They need what you have to offer. Let's do it. Let's be part of it. Would you pray with me? Father, I thank you today for the chance today for us to come. We have sensed your presence in worship from the moment we walked in the room. Lord, we thank you today that you have called us to adore you and to worship. You've invited us to lay our needs at your feet in prayer. You've challenged us today with a way to get involved in our community by joining and partnering with a vital ministry around us. And we thank you for that. And Lord, right now you're giving us a chance to be part of a life-changing community in this church that will help us grow in our faith in Jesus. And Lord, I pray that we would not miss the opportunity, but we would take full advantage of it. Lord, as we dismiss with your blessing, as we prepare to come back tonight for this great women's worship service, Lord, may you give us your blessing. Lord, I pray for everyone here that they would find a group that will embrace them, love them, where they can grow in their faith. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Guys, if you want to come back tonight, the men are going to hang out in the balcony, but it's going to be a powerful service. You don't want to miss it. Leanne Stewart, 6 o'clock. Growth group signups are that away. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Amen. Yes. Yeah.